Welcome to the Brain People Podcast, a show where four mental health experts team up to bring you practical tools for overcoming mental health challenges. The Brain People don't replace your doctor or therapist, but we will give you some extra tools to help you on your journey. So join us as we fight mental illness, one episode at a time. Welcome to the Brain People Podcast. I'm Amanda, and I'm here with my co-host. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Katie Cruz. And you've heard she just changed what she normally says. Do yes. you want to update everybody on that? Yes, we actually we were talking about this earlier. I was like, oh, you know, the episode I did with Jonathan about mm-hmm. marriage and communication, I introduced myself as Katie Elson, and I was yeah. like, I keep on forgetting. <laughs> But I mentioned in the podcast I got uh-huh. married, so most oh, people nice. know. Okay, but it's I official. just didn't know she told everybody. So <laughs> yes. welcome, Dr. Cruz. Thank you. <laughs> and um, we're going to be talking about something I think all of us can learn from, even if we think we know about it. And I don't know if I should give it away right off the bat. Maybe I should just ask a question first, and then we could start with that. So I know a lot of us have experienced this and felt this. What is resentment? Yeah, so resentment comes actually from a French word. Some mm-hmm. people may be listening that either know French or even if you know Spanish, and it's, I don't know how to pronounce it in French, but it's resentir, mm-hmm. right? which if you know Spanish, it's also the same. Re means to do it again, mm-hmm. and then sentir means to feel. Oh. And so it means to feel again and again. Over and over again. Specifically anger. So if we just break down the word, we know that resentment means to feel anger over and over and over again. I like that, not because I like resentment, but I like understanding it that way because Mm -hmm. it's actually, it sounds like something that we do to ourselves, Mm -hmm. which can be very painful to feel resentment over and over again. Opening that wound over and over and over again Mm -hmm. when it's trying to heal. Yeah. So what makes us feel resentment? When different things have happened to us, mm-hmm. um, it can be small things, it can be big things, it can be um, even bigger things like trauma. Yeah, um, it doesn't really matter what it is; it's mm-hmm. the decision we we make to hold on to it, and yeah. that we don't realize has a lot of negative effects on us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's important too to recognize that we're actually holding on to it. It's not mm-hmm. somebody forcing it on us. Mm-hmm. So that means then that it could be something big, it could be something small, and sometimes those small things we make big. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I've noticed, you know, I've had clients who say, you know, something happened to me 10 years ago, 20 years mm-hmm. ago, and they're thinking about it all the time where they're, you know, holding on to that anger. And I think a lot of times it comes from a place of like thinking that they're punishing the other person by holding on to it. Mm -hmm. Or in some ways, some people even think that it's a a bit like an addiction um, to hold on to that anger as a way to to justify why they are stuck or justify Mm -hmm. why they can't move forward in life. Yeah, I, one of my favorite quotes is, you can get a cactus, but you don't have to sit on it. So resentment is like sitting on your cactus over mm-hmm. and over again. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> it's not comfortable. Yeah, and one thing that I, I like to help people understand when talking about resentment is what are the effects? Like what mm-hmm. is sitting on the cactus? Like how yeah. is it actually impacting me? Because mm-hmm. it feels good Mm-hmm. It feels like, oh, I'm holding on to this for a good reason, but it's actually extremely damaging to, mm-hmm. to you. So I want to talk about 
physically how it impacts yeah. us, psychologically, socially, and spiritually in all mm-hmm. areas of our lives. Yeah, let's go into that. So let's talk about physically. How does resentment affect us? So one of the biggest ways um, is it affects our heart health. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to talk of you know, mention some quick kind of studies that have been done because it's really fascinating. We can talk mm-hmm. in general about it, but you know, here's an example. An anger outburst in the two hours after that occurs, the chance of having a heart attack doubles. Oh, wow. Like that's an immediate effect. You have an anger outburst, the effect of anger on our heart causes so much stress on the heart that mm-hmm. you're, the risk of having a heart attack doubles. So that's not the effect on the person who hurt you. It's mm-hmm. the effect on you that exactly. you have a double chance of getting a heart attack. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is research has also distinguished between repressed anger, kind mm-hmm. of repressed and like resentment versus like constructive anger, mm-hmm. right? You know, the Bible's like clear about that. Like righteous indignation. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, so repressed anger, when you express it indirectly or you mm-hmm. try to hold on to it, it's clearly associated aggressive. <laughs> exactly it's clearly associated with heart disease oh okay and we can think about you know repressed suppressed you know resentment when you're holding on so it's a chronic effect anger outburst is immediate 2 hours but the the repressed anger is constantly chronically keeping your your body in a state of stress that it can really damage the heart over time and create and be related to heart disease Can I tell you just how much this excites me being a therapist? I know you feel this probably too. How many people are going to their doctors wondering, Mm -hmm. why do I keep doing this? Medication isn't helping, Mm -hmm. or I think it's helping, but I have to keep taking it. And as a therapist, it's just such a beautiful thing to be like, I can help people with their heart problems. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And we think about like, oh, your heart problems of like what you feel, but no, your literal heart. Your literal physical heart problems. Yes, yes. So Um, one other study showed that people who have like a personality trait kind of Mm -hmm. that are more prone to that anger, uh, are twice at risk for coronary disease. Oh, wow. Um, So we see that it's like, okay, repressed, but not just a situation. But if Mm -hmm. you lean towards like holding on to that as almost like a trait Mm -hmm. of of your character, it really damages your heart. And we can change our character. So we're not doomed to it just because we're more prone to it. Exactly. Now, the flip side to that is when they found like what they called, they termed, Um, constructive anger is Mm -hmm. that there was no association with heart disease. And so constructive Mm -hmm. anger being really like focused on like something was done to me and I go to that person and Mm -hmm. I resolve it. Conflict resolution. Exactly. It's constructive. Like Mm -hmm. that anger motivates you to say, hey, I need to address this. Mm -hmm. And when we address it, we resolve it and there's no negative impact on our heart. And so in that case, even that anger would be beneficial because it would preempt us to do something about it if Mm -hmm. we had that kind of anger. Yeah, it's the whole idea behind be angry and do not sin, Mm -hmm. right? Anger, depending on what we do with it. Yes. And so really a lot of this is emphasizing anger outbursts, which is unhealthy from like an extreme Mm -hmm. explosion or repressed anger that's not constructive. Yeah. What's also fascinating, so that's on heart health, Mm -hmm. is your lungs also ha- receive damage when you um, have this sort of anger outburst or repressed resentment, anger yeah. and resentment. Mm-hmm. Um, just to kind of briefly talk about it, because um, we have other things to get to, mm-hmm. but they they saw that for people who harbored anger and resentment, that they would have a lower lung capacity. And mm. one of the key components of that is they, they recognize that it leads to inflammation in mm-hmm. the lungs. 
uh, which we know is inflammation is a huge part of depression. everything, actually, not just the lungs. Yeah, so it's fascinating. That's something you would never think Mm -hmm. of anger, right? Something that happens to me mentally or emotionally or psychologically is impacting even my lung health. Yeah, so it's, and and I think it's, I think it's cool that you're talking about coronary and lung, but that that word inflammation, mm-hmm. inflammation affects every single part exactly. of our body, including our brains mm-hmm. and stuff. So when we have that anger and that inflammation is building, it's the precursor to all disease. Yeah. And what's that, that reminds me of, um, they've done research on anger and chronic pain, fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. and other yeah. ones that are related to inflammation. Mm-hmm. And those individuals actually feel more pain because of the anger. Yeah. So they need some therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. They need some therapy on their anger. And then in general, you can also imagine for inflammation is an impact on your immune system. Yeah. And so we can talk about generally, right? Mm -hmm. Like the impact of immune system and the immune system impacts other you know, disease and, and so forth. And so we don't have the time to go through all of it. But I'm basically, thoroughly convinced on yeah, the physical. <laughs> exactly. Like from head to toe, we are damaging our, yeah. our bodies. Okay, let's talk about the mental. Is that yeah. one of the ones you're going to talk about? So I think this is something that you can even speak to, Amanda, mm-hmm. and just your experience with clients. Like, yeah. Well, let me ask you that. Like, how have you seen it impact your clients mentally and psychologically? Well, one of the big ways I've seen it impact them is just their ability to reason through from cause to effect, you Mm -hmm. know? Well, they did this, and so I get to do this back to them, and I'm thinking, wow, you want to create even more of a problem by Mm -hmm. responding that way? Like, let's just sit back and think about this a little bit more. So it really affects their ability to clearly think through and process how to handle a situation. Yeah, yeah. One thing, you know, what's difficult about psychological problems is that they start accumulating very quickly. Mm -hmm. And so one research study showed that anger was correlated with higher um, anxiety symptoms. So especially Mm -hmm. those who already had generalized anxiety disorder, if they harbored anger, their anxiety symptoms grew worse. Yeah, And so it's like you already have struggles, and then if you add anger to it, it's being magnified. Well, we talk we talk about too anger being a surface emotion. So Mm -hmm. anger often is like what you see on the top, but it has all these other things like anxiety, depression underneath it, abandonment, like neglect, that kind of stuff. And you know that's a good point too, because if it's at the surface and you keep on just staying at the surface, you're neglecting to address the underlying problems, Mm -hmm. and so that can and. It's research shows also that leads to further depression, further anxiety, oh, and even stop. <laughs> even insomnia. Like yeah. there are higher rates of insomnia in those who um, struggle with anger. Well, and we know insomnia too can be caused by holding on to something mm-hmm. and not processing it during the day. So you, then when you go to sleep at night, it's like, oh, now you'll listen to me and you'll mm-hmm. pay attention to me. Yeah. And you will pay attention to nothing else but me all yeah. night long. I just had a client this week who she's mm-hmm. like, I can't let go of that anger towards, mm-hmm. you know, different things and she can't fall asleep at night. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so painful. Yeah. I would say like, and this is the link between psychological and social because our relationships are not apart from our psychological yeah. health is the biggest impact. One of the biggest impacts is our social health mm-hmm. of impacting our relationships, both from the perspective of 
you know, leading to more isolation, withdrawal. Mm -hmm. You see that in families all the time of something happened long ago and, well, I'm waiting for so-and-so to pick up the Mm -hmm. phone. And that person's saying, well, I'm waiting for them to pick up the phone. Yeah. And there's just this distance that's there that's not needed. Mm Mm-hmm. And anytime you're angry too, you're focusing, and and I like to even amp it up to hyper-focusing on Mm. the wrongs of the world too. So you're going to be more inclined to, you know, watch the news because I need something else to reinforce that anger Mm -hmm. to validate why I'm so angry in the first place, which then validates why I don't want to be around anybody and I stay Mm. socially isolated. And that starts like this spiral effect of then— We've talked about this in another episode of Core Beliefs, of mm-hmm. you start creating this belief that people are bad, people are evil, people are out to get me, and so forth. And yeah. so, in general, not just in that moment with that person, but then the news and so mm-hmm. forth, that I don't want to be around people. Yeah. And I, I was thinking, too, you know, sometimes when we're, when we're hyper-focused on the bad in the world, then the people that are right directly around us— don't want to be around us because that's all we're talking about. And research shows that relationships are built first on a sense of positivity because that, that in essence, is safety when you have positivity in your relationships. Mm -hmm. So when you're the negative, you know, Debbie Downer person who's always pointing out the flaws in the world and in life— then you're not going to attract people or Mm -hmm. you're going to attract the wrong people, which is even worse. Yeah. And that reminded me too of like when people are around you, but you're harboring anger and resentment, that inhibits mindfulness, being Mm -hmm. fully present in the moment. So you're holding onto something that's impacting your ability to be present with that person who didn't do something Mm -hmm. to you. And then that limits your own relationship with good, healthy people that haven't hurt you. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to hear it anymore. Just, yeah, there's so many ways in which it affects mm-hmm. us. But generally what we're trying to, you know, really hone in on is the negative effects in many different areas. Also, one thing that we don't think about often is our spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Amanda, have you seen that at all with your clients or— Oh, yeah. You know, when one of the biggest ways I see that is when we've been hurt by someone else and we've been holding on to that so long, we often attribute those same characteristics to God. Mm -hmm, Because who have I made God in my life but this person who's angry? So how can I see God God as anybody but like that? Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people, they'll bring this up as a reason to forgive. They're like, oh, you know, if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you, Mm -hmm. right? And it's often a very like a fear tactic of yeah. like you have to forgive. Um, but there's some truth in that. And and you know, we could talk more about what that verse actually means. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we don't allow ourselves to fully experience the grace of God. Absolutely. Right? And then that naturally motivates me to extend that to someone else. Mm-hmm. Let's kind of reverse it for a moment. Anger is like I'm not extending to you. So it does become harder for me to receive it from God, even if God Absolutely. is willing. It, there creates a, a basically a barrier between mm-hmm. myself and God because of a barrier I've placed between myself and others. Mm-hmm. And it's a misbelief too. So it's it's like a clouding of my ability to see who God is. It's not him clouding himself. It's me mm-hmm. taking that responsibility to, to generate these characteristics to God that aren't even there. And I think too often we separate our relationship with God from our relationship with people. Mm-hmm. And so I can, you know, hold this anger, resentment 
towards someone, and then I can have my relationship with God, and that's separate. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Bible is very clear about that. Of like, okay, if you have something against your brother, and mm-hmm. you're there going to worship God, you got to leave that. Right? Yeah, or whether go, you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto exactly. me. You know? And so the Bible doesn't have that separation, mm-hmm. that treating others is how we treat God and so forth. And so that's going to naturally impact us, even if we're trying to keep those two separate. Mm-hmm. That's a very communal view of mm-hmm. our relationship with God. Not We were kind of talking about this earlier, and maybe you want to touch on that too, that communal aspect of it. Yeah, so— if you think about it, we are social beings, right? Mm-hmm. And being social beings, we cannot, you know, just separate, you know, our relationships or say, you know, and this is why there's a lot of isolation with depression, anxieties. We try, mm-hmm. but when we harbor resentment, we're going to talk more about like a lack of forgiveness. Yeah. Then we're separating ourselves from that person and from mm-hmm. the community by focusing on what is it that I need, right? Mm-hmm. I I have been hurt. I've been damaged, and so I deserve to right to harbor that mm-hmm. but that also cuts me off from others. Yeah, it's it's a very self-focused egocentric way of looking at things is this is how it's affecting me mm-hmm. not how it's affecting everyone around me too. Now, thinking about like how do we start addressing this cuz it's mm-hmm. like I don't want those negative yeah, effects. Right? <laughs> I'm still very self-focused. I don't want to hurt like that and and deal with all those things. So, we what could, do we do? We could take the approach of like anger management, mm-hmm. right? Um, but as you mentioned earlier, Amanda, of like, you know, if we take more of a surface level, which is needed, and maybe mm-hmm. we'll do a future episode on anger management specifically yeah. and deep breathing and all these different mm-hmm. skills. Um, but I want to go deeper, right? Yeah. Um, I like, there's this image that I saw online of, it's like this iceberg. And the tip of the iceberg is outside the water. So that's mm-hmm. what you see. And that's anger. We call yeah. it a secondary emotion. Mm-hmm. But underneath the water, as you mentioned, there's a lot of hurt. There's yeah. a lot of rejection and so forth. And so to address the real problem, the primary mm-hmm. emotions, especially that of hurt, one of the main antidotes for that, one of the w- main ways that we heal and we address the anger and resentment is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're going to yeah. be talking about today. And I think, you know, you just reminded me of something too, that one of the things that we often forget is that anger is actually a protective emotion. Mm-hmm. Why do we get angry? Why do I need to be angry yeah. in this situation? Well, because I think somehow it's going to protect me from ever getting yeah. hurt again. If it's I big, come out and I'm violent and yeah. rageful and everything, like, well, you can't hurt me again. But mm-hmm. if I just sit back and I deal with the stuff, well, oh, that's vulnerable. Yeah. I don't want to be vulnerable, especially after I've been hurt. So our bodies and our brains often mm-hmm. go to anger as a way to keep me from mm-hmm. ever having to be in that place again and yeah. deal with that. Especially if that's been modeled to you, mm-hmm. right? Of like anger is a big, powerful emotion. Like protect yeah. yourself in this way. And it can be somewhat protective in a circumstance where maybe there is violence. Maybe yeah. there is something that you need to fight back with. But as you mentioned— if it's actually the hurt and we don't want to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. then we're never going to really resolve that underlying problem. And that's why forgiveness can feel icky, can mm-hmm. feel like, oh, I don't want to do that because I want to protect myself. And mm-hmm. so we're going to talk about, you know, a lot of different misconceptions of like basically what is forgiveness and what is it not. Mm-hmm. And one of those is like, 
oh, is for, forgiveness is weakness, right? Yeah. It's being vulnerable in a way that I'm exposing myself to more danger. Mm-hmm. And so exploring the reasons why we don't forgive, but exploring the reasons why we need to forgive. It's yeah. necessary in order to allow mm-hmm. our bodies and our minds to heal. Yeah, and it, it feels so counterproductive, but in fact, it's like the best way to get there. Just like, you know, exercising and breaking those, you know, muscles and mm-hmm. and uh, actually tearing the muscles is the only way you can build a muscle mm-hmm. and stuff. So let's talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. Share some more. So I would say, you know, before we get into it, you know, I just mentioned one of the barriers to forgiveness is not really knowing what it is. Mm-hmm. I think we talk about it. I think we have like a sense of what mm-hmm. it is, but we have a lot of misconceptions. So, And everybody seems to have a different definition of it mm-hmm. too. That's one of the things that I've noticed. If yep. I ask, what do you think forgiveness is? Well, I don't know. I think it's this. Or, oh, I think it's this. Mm-hmm. Where do we even get those definitions from? Yep. So, Yeah, and it, I think we have confidence in our definitions, mm-hmm. but then that those are often the misconceptions that keep us from yeah. forgiving. So we'll address that. And then the other barrier is if you really think about it in our American society today, forgiveness is very countercultural. Mm-hmm. And I actually want to start talking about that before we go into the, the main kind of yeah. subject matter, because and we won't talk about it too much, but it's helpful to realize that all the forces around us are trying to educate us against forgiveness. So when you're saying, you know, where do we even get these from? A lot of mm-hmm. it's society. Oh, yeah. I, I've i even noticed, you know, usually I get these things from hearing my clients talk about them, mm-hmm. but any movie nowadays, if somebody exactly. hurts you, there's no, like, forgiveness. It's all mm-hmm. about, like, get revenge, like, tear that person down, even mm-hmm. kill them yeah. if that's necessary, to, because we've got to stop what is happening from ever happening again. Yes. And— you know, there's something almost innate to us that mm-hmm. like really cheers on that oh, person, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Of like get the villain or get the person that, you know, uh, the oppressor. And I think it's because we built, we have built in a sense of justice. Mm-hmm. And that's good. That's yeah. healthy. And I think mm-hmm. that's God given to us. Yeah. But how can we also seek justice through having a balance of justice and grace? Yeah. So if we overemphasize revenge and vengeance and you know, hostility, anger, we're not recognizing the need for grace. And what, if you think about it, we would like mm-hmm. extended to us. I think that's probably, too, our misunderstanding of even what justice means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So mm-hmm. in culture, right, especially through media, it's constantly promoted, you know, to have revenge and mm-hmm. vengeance and justice without any consideration of mercy. Yeah, and we love to look at the villains or the the perpetrators of these things as though they're like one-dimensional monsters. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing that I've noticed as I've watched society is we don't talk about, oh, what might have contributed to this person doing Mm -hmm. this act or anything like that? We talk about they're horrible, they're mean, Mm -hmm. and they need to be punished. Yeah, and that is a big component of our culture today, the cancel culture and Mm -hmm. honor shame culture. Yeah. So what you're highlighting is we have created this culture of really honoring victims Mm -hmm. and really demeaning victimizers. Yeah. Right. To a point where it's so extreme that we feel like we are basically mandated and Mm -hmm. obligated to, you know, elevate the victim. And And if you go against that— 
you're canceled. Oh, absolutely. And then what you're doing and when you talked about separating them so far is it's eliminating the awareness of like, I can be a perpetrator sometimes, mm-hmm. or if I was under those certain conditions, I might do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. separates us so much that we can't see the perpetrators in all of us. You know, mm-hmm. the, or the I've heard some people say that we all have an, an element of toxicity to us that yeah. we contribute to society. And if you think about it, it's very black and white thinking, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. extreme versions of like, I put certain people in one box, I put other people mm-hmm. in others, and realizing that sometimes it can be great. Now, sometimes there are situations that are yeah. very clear mm-hmm. of that person is the victim, that person is the perpetrator, and yeah. so forth. But other, what we're talking about is the extreme culture that has really promoted these extreme categories mm-hmm. of victim and victimizer or oppressor. And we honor, it's yes. not just saying, okay, you know, something bad happened. We honor the victim, which I think has made a lot of people then desiring and seeking to be a victim. Yeah. And then therefore— they get the attention exactly. and the accolades, like, oh, we're so sorry. And, yeah. And even resources, too. Yeah. And so that leads to, I don't want to forgive. Mm-hmm. I want to remain the victim. Yeah. And we, you know, you can think about in therapy all the time. We talk about how to take them from victim to victor. victor. Yeah. And there's even an episode on that. Mm -hmm. But if I am so honored and praised to be the victim, I never want to make that journey. So I'm stuck and Mm -hmm. I keep the oppressor stuck as well. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yep. Good stuff. Okay. So what's next? Yeah. So we're going to talk about then what are these myths and what Mm -hmm. actually is forgiveness. And throughout, um, if I forget, remind me, Amanda, Mm -hmm. um, it's important to distinguish between forgiveness pardon, and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. Those are different elements that often get combined. And so as we go through these different misconceptions, um, we'll define more and more what is forgiveness, what is pardon, and what is reconciliation. Okay. So the first kind of question that often people ask with forgiveness is, is, does forgiveness mean that you're saying it's okay that it happened, Mm -hmm. right? And that's a barrier of like, I think forgiveness means it's okay. I don't want to forgive. It's not okay. Yeah. So what would you say, Amanda, to like someone who's like, oh, I think forgiveness means you're saying that what, what happened was okay? Well, I would definitely not agree with that belief because forgiveness doesn't mean—I would first say that how can I forgive somebody of something if I'm saying what they did was okay? Mm. There would be no need for forgiveness if it was okay. It has to be an offense in order for me to even call it forgiveness. Yeah, exactly. So forgiveness is actually saying the opposite, Mm -hmm. that something happened that was not okay. Therefore, I need to extend something, Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to think about, you know, forgiveness also being a form of radical acceptance. Mm -hmm. Radical acceptance is not saying that something is okay. It's saying— it happened. It's yeah, reality. Acknowledging that it happened. Yeah. And in we're DV- not gonna put it under the rug. We're gonna say this happened. Yeah, bring happened. it out in into the mm-hmm. light. Um, this is a skill specifically to DBT. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it basically talks about is you cause yourself more suffering by rejecting the reality, by mm-hmm. holding on to something over and over again. And so forgiveness is a form of radical acceptance to say, it happened. Yeah. I realize it happened. And I want to let go of it so that I can move forward in mm-hmm. that. And not stay stuck. Yeah. yeah. And so it's not that it's okay. It's realizing it's not okay, mm-hmm. but I want to channel my anger away from that person and from that incident and then 
kind of heal from that and be able to move forward. Absolutely, yeah. Now, another kind of misconception is, you know, that forgiveness requires forgetting. Yeah. So it's like, okay, I recognize it's not okay, mm-hmm. but people are telling me that I have to forget. And sometimes the perpetrator will even say, well, you need to forget about this. Exactly. Now, is that even possible? Not me. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to have a frontal lobotomy and be able to forget all of the things. Like zap that are- it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's not even possible. So yeah. this misconception comes from this idea of feeling pressured mm-hmm. that healing requires forgetting. So what then, how does healing look like then? Mm-hmm. What is, how does forgiveness help us move forward with while not forgetting? Yeah. Are you asking me? <laughs> it was like one of those questions that either you can answer or I can start answering. <laughs> well, I think I think it, in remembering, you know, one of the benefits of remembering something is I learn from it, I grow mm. from it, and I can adjust the things I do in the future based on what happened this time. So for me, when I think about remembering something, I don't remember it to just let it be something I keep pounding every single Mm -hmm. day at. It's something that I look at and I go, okay, what would I like to do differently next time? Or Mm. or how would I like to respond to this differently because it's still affecting me? So what could I do, you know, differently? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So this made me think about in the case of trauma, right, is trauma when we have PTSD and complex PTSD and a lot of of current symptoms that are basically— it's really hard to forget what happened. Yeah. One thing I tell my clients is, it's not forgetting. It's just mm-hmm. remembering that it's, let's say, chapter two mm-hmm. of your story. So it doesn't mean that you have to relive it over and over again. Yeah. And that's what resentment is. Mm-hmm. And that's the lack of forgiveness. I don't have to is, read chapter two over and over again. I yeah. can move on to chapter three. You're like writing your chapter, let's say 40 something, mm-hmm. and you're still writing about the same thing. And yeah. it's like, no, you can put it in the past, it's like burying something. you like, mm-hmm. it happened, it's there, but I, I, it doesn't have to be my present. Yeah. And I love a quote from the book Amish Grace, which I'll probably quote more throughout. It's an excellent book that yeah. if anyone or everyone actually um, should read because it, I mean, we'll talk about it later. We both recommend actual, this book yes, heavily. <laughs> highly, yeah. So it says, forgiveness is less a matter of forgive and forget than of forgive and remember. Mm-hmm. Remembering in ways that bring he- healing. When we remember, we take the broken pieces of our lives, lives that have been dis- dismembered by tragedy and injustice, and remember them into something whole. Mm-hmm. And I just love that because it's like, okay, it's chapter two of your story. And how do you remember it in a way that you bring your whole story together? Yeah. You're not saying, oh, I'm trying to forget it. It didn't happen. No, it happened. And mm-hmm. that's also kind of the idea b- behind post-traumatic growth. Yeah, is how I was did just going to say grit. You know, this is the yeah. whole idea with grit is we go through it, but we learn and we we process it and we get better from it. Yeah. So just thinking about, it's not about forgetting. It's about remembering intentionally in a way that you're not reliving it constantly, mm-hmm. but you're moving forward with now it being a part of your story that has shaped you into a better person, a more mm-hmm. resilient person. Yeah. Well, this would probably be a good place to stop and then we'll do a part two. Yes. We've let's. just decided we're going to make this part two because <laughs> there's so much good stuff that we want to talk about. So we'll end this here and you'll have to come back for part two. Thanks for listening. To hear more episodes, find us on social media, or support us financially, visit thebrainpeoplepodcast.com. 